So we're going to be responsive to the Word um, of God. And if you've been around the last uh, few weeks, we've been talking, you'll know that we've been sharing on this theme of, of kairos. And we've been talking about this phrase, for such a time as this. Because kairos, and uh, it will come up on the screen, there you go, as if by magic, means a favorable moment for decision or action. It's about an opportune moment. It's, it's a right moment. For us, it's, it's a God moment. And that's a thought that is so central to our journey and to our vision as a church community this year. Now, I'm not going to recap all that we've shared over the last um, four weeks because there's been too much that has been communicated. But if you've missed any of the weeks and you want to catch up with them or if you're new to us today, uh, then all the messages, as always, are available on our media channels and we can tell you how you can get um, to those via our website or the Family Church app. But today, uh, I want to wrap up our thoughts on Kairos. Not that we're packing this away because this hasn't just been like a, a catchy theme for a message series. This is central to our vision. So Kairos is going to be there at the forefront of everything that we're about this coming year. But in terms of our thoughts and the messages that we've shared, what I want to do is bring all those together and I want to just share a simple message that I hope will motivate us and position us to be in a place where we do not miss out on this Kairos moment. Right? All of us know what it is to, to miss out on something, right? Each and every single one of us at one time or another in our lives, you may have missed a bus, you may have missed a train, you may have missed an, an event, you may have missed a, an opportunity in, our, in your life. We all know what it's like to miss out on something. I remember uh, when I was in secondary school, every day I would get the bus down to Southsea. And so often I would miss the bus. Sometimes I was doing it on purpose because I either didn't want to go to school or I wanted to get a lift from my parents. It was easier. But other times I would turn the corner at the end of our street. And as you turn the corner, you would see the bus stop from there. And so often the bus was pulling up just as I was turning that corner. And so I would sprint in order to try and get that bus. Sometimes I'd achieve my aim and I'd get on and almost have a heart attack as I actually got onto the bus. Other times I'd get there and it was just pulling away as I got there. And so you have that moment where you don't want to lose face so you just pretend you're out for a jog uh, in, your, in your school uniform with your school bag. Like, you know, you were going to the bus stop but you just thought you'd just leisurely stroll along. We all know what it's like to miss out on an opportunity, on an event, or whatever it might be. And as a church community, I don't want us to miss out on this Kairos moment. You know, missing out has become such a thing that we now have a phrase, of course, in the English language, FOMO. Fear of missing out. I don't want us as individuals, as a church community, to miss out on what God is doing in this moment. But I want to encourage you from my words to make sure that we're right there. God is on the move and we don't want to miss out because it strikes me that you can take all that we've spoken about in this series so far and you can know and understand and hear a whole lot of stuff you can know what kairos is now and and what it's all about you can understand the time that we're in you can understand our, our, our position and our purpose in that time you can understand even our due response to the moment that is at hand and yet you can know all that and still miss out because we aren't living in a way that takes hold of this Kairos moment before us. And so as I said, I want to share the simple thought about how we don't miss out, but how we instead make the most of this God-orchestrated opportunity that is before us. And so to do that, I want to simply look at just four things this morning that I believe position us and motivate us and cause us to live a life where we take hold and seize this Kairos moment. 
The first thing is this, that I believe if we're going to take hold of this Kairos moment that God has placed before us, is we need to know what it is to live free. Now, I know that may sound incredibly obvious and very simplistic, but it's incredible how many Christians know about freedom but aren't actually living in the total freedom that Jesus has purchased for them to walk in. And if we're going to take hold of this Kairos moment, if we're going to receive everything that God has for us, then we need to first make sure that we are in a place of total, 100% freedom in our lives. In other words, we need to make sure that we aren't tangled up in stuff. And this is where the thoughts from last year come into focus that little bit more, because if you remember last year, we spent a lot of time talking about the vision of running the best race that God has for us, running our best lap yet. Everyone remember that? Well, here's the reality. This year, spiritually, God wants you to run another personal best. It may have felt like last year, spiritually, you ran a personal best. He wants you to go even quicker and faster spiritually this year. He may have done so much in your life, but God's not about to stop. Just because the calendar's clicked over to 2023 and we have a new focus and new vision does not mean that God has less for you in store and God wants you to continue to run your best lap yet, even in 2023. So let's remind ourselves of Hebrews 12 verse 1, which was such a key verse for us last year. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. If we are going to run the race God has for us in this Kairos moment, if we're going to run another best lap yet, then we need to be free from the stuff that entangles us, the stuff that slows us down, the stuff that trips us up in life. Because we will never run effectively and we will never run at top speed spiritually all the time that we are held back, tripped up and entangled in some of these things. So what are some of these things that trip us up and could cause us to miss out on God's Kairos moment for our, our lives? An obvious one is sin. The NLT, the New Living Translation, talks about this in this verse as the sin that keeps on tripping us up. So let me ask you a rhetorical question this morning. What is that weakness in your life that keeps tripping you up time and time again? Is it lust? Is it anger? Is it jealousy? Is it gossip? What is that, that thing? Because God's word makes it clear that in our own strength, we'll defeat it for a moment and then we'll be entangled again. God's word makes it clear that we'll always be back to square one if we try and defeat things in our own strength. But here's the message of the gospel. Here's the good news of Jesus, that Jesus can bring you freedom. He can cause you to walk in total freedom over anything that ensnares you and entangles you in order that you can seize this Kairos moment that's before you. The entanglement of sin. Now in 2 Timothy 2 verse 4, we read of another type of entanglement. It says this, No soldier in active service gets entangled in the ordinary business affairs of civilian life. He avoids them so that he may please the one who enlisted him to serve. So what's that talking about? Paul is writing to Timothy and he speaks to him really here about single-mindedness. He talks about not living in such a way that we're distracted by the ordinary business of life. But we need to be seeking the kingdom of God first. Because a soldier, he likens it to a soldier. He says a soldier doesn't think about the ordinary everyday affairs of life. They are in a place of war. They are called to battle. Now listen, what this isn't saying is, you know, don't worry about having a job. Don't pay your bills. 
don't worry about this or that. You know, what it's saying is, don't get so entangled in the ordinary everyday stuff of life that you spend your 90, 100, however many years that God gives you on this earth, solely focused on the ordinary every day at the cost and the expense of the eternal kingdom that God wants you to walk in. We can get so distracted in the ordinary everyday things of life. Uh, as Ellie said earlier, we're now March. It can feel like another month has passed, another month has passed. And we can get so entangled in just the ordinary stuff of everyday things of life when God is calling us to look at the eternal over the temporal. And so the first thing, if we're going to seize this Kairos moment, we've talked so much about what Kairos is and this Kairos moment that's before us, this Kairos moment that we are in right now. If we're not going to miss out, if we're going to take hold of it and seize it like we should, then the first thing is this, we need to be free from entanglements. And we need to know what it is to walk in total freedom. The second thing is this, if we're going to seize this Kairos moment, we need to live with, with vision. Live with vision. Now, Proverbs 29, verse 18, a very well-known verse. Many of you will know this verse. says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so often, people have taken that to simply mean this. You need to set goals for your life. You need to have a dream, a vision for your family, for your business, for your life, for your ministry, whatever it might be. And of course, I, I, I agree with having vision. I believe in knowing where we're going as a, as a group of people, as individuals. I believe in all of that. But here's the problem with that particular reading of this verse. Life teaches us that actually you can have a vision and still be perishing. Right? You can have a dream and yet still feel incredibly unfulfilled in your life. Think about some of the things that people have a vision for or a dream of. Some people, the vision for their life is just orbiting around finance. I want to have this in my life and I want to make it to here and I want to have this amount of money and then I'll be comfortable and I'll be able to do this with my money. And they're just solely focused on, on, on their career and their finance and all that kind of stuff and yet they can end up with all the money, having saved hard and worked hard and put in the hours and yet they can still be left in a place where they look around and still feel empty and still feel dissatisfied in life. For others... Their vision, as we've said before, is happiness. The pursuit of happiness that everybody seems to be chasing in life. And so somebody may have a vision or a dream or a goal for their life. I just want to be happy. I just want to experience everything. I want to play hard and have a good time. And when I leave planet Earth, I know that I've spent all my days just seeking every experience. And I know that I've lived a life well lived. I've, I've had a full life. I've had a good life. And yet they can be chasing that experience. They can be on the pursuit of happiness and still be left thinking, surely there's more to life than this. Surely there's more to life than just the experiences that we can have. Now others may have a vision or a dream concerning children and family and that's their, their sole focus and again that seems like such a healthy one and it is, it's a building block of society, it's a godly thing but we can be in this place where, where it's solely about children and families but what about when you raise them and they leave home, what about then? See, if our vision, if our goal, if our dream for life is, is solely focused on one thing, we can end up in a place where we think, is that it? For other people, when this is society at large, the dream, the vision is to be famous. It's to be well-known, right? That's why we have 
we are the TikTok generation where everybody wants to be seen and noticed and known for something. That's why we are in reality TV shows where they can make a reality TV show out of anything, right? If it hasn't yet been done, they'll do it and you'll get desperate people on there trying to be known, trying to be seen, trying to be focused. And, and, and that's why we end up in that situation, and I've said on this before, where you've had like a 10-year-old applying for an audition on television and it comes in and there's that, that slow-moving music to get the emotions going and they tell you a, a sob story about, I don't know, how their hamster broke their leg or whatever it might be and it's, it's moving and they, and they say this phrase, I've shared this before, they share this phrase every time it gets me, all my life I've been dreaming of this moment. You're like, you're 10 years old. What do you mean all your life? You've been, you're 10 years old. But, but there's, there's just such this desperation to be seen, to be noticed, to be famous. And yet you fast forward the clock and how many times have we read stories or books or seen the news articles, whatever it might be, where people have got all the fame and yet they're empty. People have reached their dream and yet they're unfulfilled. And they need this still. And they need this substance. And how many sad times have we seen that somebody has taken their life because they had all the fame and yet it was still emptiness within them. See, people can have visions, people can have dreams, yet they still feel like they're empty. They still feel like they're perishing. So what's going on here? I mean, is the Bible wrong? Because I just read to you a minute ago a verse that said, where there is no vision, the people perish. What, what's going on in this moment? And that's where we need to understand that actually, in the original context, that word vision doesn't really do it justice because all of us can have a dream or a vision or set some goals for our lives. But the original word was this word, hazon, which means this, it's deeper. It means a divine vision, a divine dream, a divine revelation primarily of God's word. In other words, if you boil it down, a God dream. See, here's the reality. You can have a dream and a vision for your life or else you can have a God dream and a God vision for your life. The two are vastly different. You, you can seek to live for your purposes and this is what I want to do in my life and this is what I want my life to be about. Or else you can live, as we've been saying in this series, to serve the purposes of God in your own generation. The two are very different. And if we're going to seize this Kairos moment, we need to be living with a godly vision for our lives. So let me say this to you today. Don't let anything or any one steal your godly vision. Don't let age steal your godly vision. Maybe you think, well, I, I'm of an older generation. Now listen, if there's breath in your lungs today, if you're still alive, there's a reason why God has you on the earth. He has a plan and a purpose for your life every single day that you're alive. Don't let age steal your godly vision. Don't let you know hopes that have been broken and failures and disappointments steal your godly vision. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so often when that hope in your life hasn't yet been realized, you end up in a, that place of soul sickness where, where all your dreams and your God vision has been diminished and depleted. Don't let your mistakes steal your godly vision. Because we believe here that mistakes, if they're dealt with in a godly way, can simply be the starting point for the transformative work of the Holy Spirit. Don't let anything steal your godly vision. See, this is why I love the account of Caleb in the Bible. Caleb is this guy that we're introduced to in Numbers chapter 13, 14, and at this point, he's about 40 years old. He's a young pioneering leader, and he's one of the guys who sent in, there's 12 guys, head of the tribes that go into the promised land that God 
has said, this is your land, I have promised this, I just want you to go check it out. He wasn't debating whether it was possible, he was saying, this is what I have given to you. And many of you know the account, the 12 spies come back and Joshua and Caleb say, yep, it's a done deal, we can surely do this, we've got on our side. But the other ten come back and they're, they're scared and they say, you should have seen the descendants of Anak, they were these giant, these guys. And they say, there's too much trouble, we can't do this. And so God says, because of your disobedience, because you wouldn't walk in faith and believe what I had spoken over you, a whole generation are going to miss out on the promise that I had for them. And so a whole generation die off for his Caleb and Joshua because God has said, because these two have walked in faith, they're going to see the promise that I'd spoken over their lives. But imagine for Caleb those next 40 or so years. Imagine the frustration. Imagine, because when we read about these people in the Bible, you know they're not cartoon characters, right? You know they're not just made up by something. These are real people who lived real life. So imagine the frustration that Caleb must have felt on a daily basis. Imagine the rejection that he could have easily felt. Imagine the monotony of not going anywhere, not progressing, because if you know the account, it's just there. It's just there, and yet they're wandering around the wilderness. Imagine the monotony of that for an entire generation, a few decades of getting nowhere in his life. Imagine the doubt, and yet you get to Joshua chapter 14, and up pops Caleb again. He's now 85 years old, and we're going to pick this up this account in the moment where the land that they finally stepped into that God has promised to them is being divided up amongst the tribes and listen to what Caleb says to Joshua he reminds him of what God and Moses had promised him Joshua 14 10 to 12 he says now as you can see the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise even while Israel Israel wandered in the wilderness today I'm 85 years old I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord has promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we, went, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. Four decades on. And here is Caleb, who's still living with godly vision. He hasn't allowed pain or frustration or disappointment or rejection or whatever it might be to stop him from living with godly vision. He doesn't allow any of that stuff to stop him having godly vision in this Kairos moment. And sure enough, what happens? They go in and they conquer the land. 85 years old. Don't let age steal your godly vision. Don't, don't let disappointment steal your godly vision. Because just like Caleb experience when he was 85 years old when a kairos moment comes you will only seize it if you're still living with godly vision we've got to live free untangled from the stuff of life we've got to live with godly vision we've got to live ready and full of the holy spirit if we're going to seize this kairos moment we have to live ready and full of the holy spirit you know earlier in this series we highlighted the parable that jesus told about the, the wise and the foolish virgins, the wise and the foolish bridesmaids, that he said half of them were living ready. Half of them weren't. My question to each of us this morning is this, are we living ready in this Kairos moment? And are we mindful to the Holy Spirit who is in us and on us 
for a divine purpose. You see, in Acts chapter 2, we read of a Kairos moment. We know it today as the day of Pentecost. They weren't knowing it as a day of anything. They were just in the upper room. They were just awaiting what Jesus had promised to them. And so they're up there and the Holy Spirit comes in such power that what he began on that day is still alive and well today through the church of Jesus Christ 2,000 years on. But they're in that moment. They're just waiting. They're just being obedient to what Jesus has said. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And they're waiting. They're waiting for a Kairos moment. And this is what we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly, listen, when a Kairos moment comes, suddenly it can be exactly that. Suddenly, in one moment, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The Kairos moment came and the Holy Spirit filled their lives. But I want you to see it wasn't for an experience. It wasn't for a goosebump in the service. It wasn't for a nice feeling where we think, oh, the Holy Spirit ministered to it. It wasn't for that. There was a bigger purpose to this moment. And so they spill out of that room and a crowd has gathered because the crowd are thinking, what on earth is going on in this moment? They'd never seen anything like it. And Peter steps up in this moment and he begins to preach, the Bible says, with power. Now I want to remind you that this is the very same Peter, if you know your Bible, who, who you know, just a while before was denying the very presence of Jesus when Jesus was being taken away. What's the difference? Kairos. What's the difference? The Holy Spirit had filled his life and he was now preaching with power and with a purpose. Let's pick it up. Verse 37 of Acts 2 says this, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 people in all. What a day. Because listen, when the Holy Spirit moves in a Kairos moment, you know about it. Everything begins to change. Anyone who was in family church in 2014 and a part of what we were doing, you remember that time when... In the awakening, the Holy Spirit moved in such power that night after night after night, people were being saved for two and a half weeks constantly. People were being saved, delivered, set free, healed. You know what it's like when the Holy Spirit moves in a moment, in a Kairos moment, everything changes. Right now, some of you have seen that the Holy Spirit is moving powerfully in parts of America. And that same Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit who wants to minister to heaven in such a time as this. Amen? You see, with the Holy Spirit, every day can be a day full of opportunity. If you're filled with Him and ready to be used by Him. Every single day. You don't have to go on a missions trip to the other side of the world to be used by the Holy Spirit. Now, don't mishear me. We believe in mission trips. We believe that everybody should have an opportunity at one time or another to go on a missions trip and see God use their lives. So we're not against mission trips. What I'm saying is you don't have to fly to another nation to experience the Holy Spirit using your life. Do we believe that this morning? 
You don't have to wait for the next Christian conference. There's nothing wrong with Christian conferences. What I'm saying is that God is ready to use your life through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when you're living filled with the Holy Spirit, and when you're living ready to be used by Him, God can use you anywhere, at any time, on any given day. And so in Acts chapter 3, we get just a moment just like that. For Peter and John are on their way to a prayer meeting. Now I want you to see, they're not in the prayer meeting. They're not in a worship service. There's no worship band. Peter isn't carrying a keyboard. There's no George in that moment. He's not in the Bible, even though he might try and tell you he's not there. But there's none of that going on. They're just walking. They're just living life. I don't know what the conversation is. Probably, what bait did you use? They're both fishermen. What bait? Oh, you should have seen the fish. It was Peter's airline. It was this big. Because they didn't have the, the pictures that you see nowadays where they, they hold it like that far away from the camera so it looks bigger. I don't know, maybe they were talking about fishing. But they're walking, but here's the two ingredients. They were full of the Holy Spirit and they were ready to be used by him at any Kairos moment that presented itself. And it's so important we see it because I don't want you to think that they were just like hovering to the prayer meeting and just like, you know, having this radical, they were just walking to the prayer meeting. And they come across this guy and this is what the Bible says, Acts chapter 3 verse 1 to 7. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money, pretty normal standard stuff. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Must have been from Scotland, Pat, in that moment. I've got, I've got no money. I've got no money. I've got no silver or gold. Listen to this. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, he stood on his feet and began to walk. And then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. The question is, are we living ready and full of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives? Because we don't have to complicate this. Religion tries to complicate it. Man tries to complicate it. Do you know what? It means to be full of, it means every morning you just say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me again today? Holy Spirit, I, I want to be used by you today. Holy Spirit, would you put me in positions I need to be today? Would you bring people across my path that need your word today? Would you just use me today? And then we go about our normal everyday lives, just like these guys going to the prayer meeting, ready to be used by him. And who knows what that day may bring? You may be going into a shop at the same time as somebody else, and God gives you a word for that person. Now, that doesn't mean you suddenly get weird. It doesn't mean you suddenly, because suddenly we think like to be used by God, we actually have to have a personality transplant. It just means God wants to use you. It doesn't mean you have to put on a strange voice or look weird. Just start saying to them, listen, I believe in God, and this may sound a bit strange, but I just believe God's saying this for you. Who knows? How the Holy Spirit could use your life in that moment. Let's stop trying to overcomplicate it. Let's stop trying to make it something that it isn't. You may see somebody in the canteen at work. I don't know. 
who you know has been struggling with stuff and going through stuff, and you say, do you, do you know what? You may or not want this, but I'm a Christian. Uh, I know you're going through a cancer journey. Can I just pray for you? They may say no. If they say no, that's okay. You can still pray for them. <laughs> just walk away and pray for them. They may say, yeah, actually, I'm open to that. And the Holy Spirit can use your life. Let, let's stop. I think because we so overcomplicate this sometimes, we actually limit ourselves and don't actually know what it is to be used by the Holy Spirit because we think it's something that it needs to be, that it really isn't. It's having that willingness to be used by him. Let's not miss out on this Kairos moment, but let's live ready and full of the Holy Spirit. Here's the last one. We're going to end with this. We need to live surrendered we need to live free from entanglements we need to live with godly vision we need to live full of the holy spirit and ready to be used by him but we need to live surrendered you know in a worldly sense surrender is seen as such a negative thing but in a godly sense in your walk with jesus surrender is actually an incredible sign of strength when jesus faced this kairos moment that we remembered earlier in communion this kairos moment that we'll remember at at Easter, that Kairos moment when he went to the cross for us, that there was a moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was battling between what he naturally would prefer and who would blame him. And this Kairos moment that he knowed that he would call to, to die on a cross for you and for me. And so he's in that moment and he says these words that are recorded for us and preserved for us in Luke 22 verse 42. He says to his father, Father, if you are willing... Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Natural response. I don't want to go through this. I know, and he knew in advance what it was going to cost him. But, yet, I want your will to be done and not mine. And his surrender caused God's Kairos moment to be outworked in a massive way that continues to affect us today I wonder what part of God's Kairos moment for your life is waiting just the other side of surrender is waiting just the other side of you saying not my will but yours be done in my life is waiting just the other side of you saying I had this plan I had this purpose I had what I thought it was going to plan out like but I'm going to trade in my plan for God's plan. I'm going to quit living for myself and start living for his kingdom. Because if you do that, listen, you will start to discover the life that everybody else around you is craving. In the Gospels, we read of a guy labeled as the rich young ruler. And he was desperate to follow Jesus. You read it in the account. He wanted to follow Jesus. The problem was he didn't know what it was to surrender. He didn't want to actually part ways with what meant so much to him in that moment. He didn't know what it was to trade in his plan for his life for the plan that Jesus had for him. And yet, on the other side, you've got people like Peter and John that we've looked at this morning and Matthew, the tax collector, who Jesus said, come, follow me. And in that moment, he traded in, all of them traded in their plans and surrendered what they had mapped out to follow Jesus. And as they did, there was Kairos moment after Kairos moment after Kairos moment in their lives. Now, for most of us, God isn't wanting us to do something as drastic as a complete career change or a complete life change. But here's what he's looking for. He's looking for a group of people who will say, God, your will be done in my life. Your will be done 
in my marriage. Your will be done in my family. Your will be done in my relationships. Your will be done in my emotions. Your will be done in my finances. Your will be done in my life. Matthew 16, 25, final verse, it says this. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Don't miss out on this Kairos moment. Don't miss out because you allowed yourself to get entangled in the stuff of life. Don't live for the temporary, the cost of the eternal of what God wants to do in your life. Don't miss out because you allowed your godly vision to fade because of age or disappointment or heartache or rejection or whatever it might be. Don't miss out because you weren't ready. But instead, every single day of your life, live ready. We've talked about how normal that can look, but let's be intentional about living ready and living full of the Holy Spirit, ready to be used by Him at any given moment. And don't miss out because you refused to surrender that area of your life that God is speaking to you about. Because if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you surrender your plans for His will, you will discover the life that everybody else is searching for and you will seize the Kairos moment before you. Let's pray. Let's just close our eyes in this place. And in this Kairos moment, I want to pray for each and every single one of us that we would not miss out on what God has in store for us. Before I do, I want to just give an opportunity. We do this quite often for anybody here today who's never begun a relationship with Jesus to do exactly that we're not going to embarrass you we're not going to interview you or do anything like that this is just about you having an opportunity all we're doing in this moment is making space for you to respond to Jesus and say I want a relationship with you you know maybe you've come into this place today and you thought what would cause people to to be so happy what would cause people to be so full of life Listen, it's not denial of of hard things of life, but it's the knowledge that there is a Savior who died for them and rose again and has brought them into a relationship with their Heavenly Father. When you understand that there is a God who loves you and has a plan and a purpose for your life, you understand why you're alive. You understand that there is a purpose to your days and you understand what happens to you the day that you breathe your final breath. And this morning, we just want to give you an opportunity to say, yes, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. You're not going to understand everything overnight. Of course you're not. But it's the beginning of a journey today. And you saying, yeah, I want to take that first step. I want to start something this morning. So here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray. I'm just going to ask you to repeat these words after me. And let's all do this this morning. Heavenly Father, I believe that you have created me and that you love me and want a relationship with me. Today, Heavenly Father, I want to start that relationship. Please forgive my sin. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me so that I could have freedom. I give you my future. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed in this moment.
If that's you and you're saying, yes, I, I want to respond, then as I said, I promise you, I won't embarrass you or point you out, do anything like that. But if in this moment you're saying, yes, that's me, here's what I want you to do, something very, so, so very simple. I want you in a moment just to raise your hand. When you raise your hand, you can just pull it back down. But that's just a sign of you saying, yes, that's me. Yes, I surrender my life to Jesus. So I, I want to start this journey today. So you ready? One, two, three. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Anybody else? Say, that's me as well. I want to begin this relationship with Jesus. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I just pray over these responses, Lord, and I just thank you that today you begin a work in these people's lives. Jesus, thank you that they have a hope and a future in you. Lord, I thank you that you just put people in their lives that are going to support them, that are going to help them take steps on their journey, Lord. And Father, that you would keep them from any condemnation or religion or any legalism in their life, Lord. May they know the truth and may the truth really set them free. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For everybody else in this room, I just want you to ask one simple question just as we close this morning. As the word has been shared today, I just want you to ask this question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? You know, we've shared before, it's amazing how one word can be preached. And yet the Holy Spirit can use that word in so many different ways to plant seed in the hearts and the lives of people. So in this moment, just pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me from this message? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you speak to people in this moment about different areas where maybe it's to do with their vision for their life Lord maybe it's to do with stuff that they've got themselves tangled up in knowing they're not truly walking in freedom maybe it's a, a challenge and a call and an encouragement to pray for people to be bold in our faith whatever it might be Holy Spirit thank you that you are speaking to people and Lord we make the decision today to surrender our lives to you afresh thank you for leading us into this Kairos moment. Thank you for what you're doing. And Lord, we want to be a people who, as we've been saying, serve your purposes every day of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give him praise for those people who responded this morning.